The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Got another dude! What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Dudes to the right, dudes to the left, stuck in the middle with you. Got another dude! Heisman Trophy, Bronco Nagurski Award, Ultimate Dudes. Got another dude! O-Line U, Bunch of Dudes. A lot of dudes. Yeah! Welcome to the Lot of Dudes podcast, presented by Fourth and Dude, brought to you by Boston College 24-7 and Armchair All-Americans, Season 3, Week 6. Death, taxes, and BC Wake Forest coming down to the wire. For the fifth time in six years, the away team was victorious in a one-possession game, as the Eagles fell to the Demon Deacons by a score of 27-24, dropping a 3-2 on the year and 1-1 one one in conference. On today's episode, we'll recap what went wrong versus the Deeks, Talk dude or pood, and preview the Eagles' road trip to the Bluegrass State versus the Cardinals next weekend. Matt, what a gut-wrenching loss Saturday was. By every statistical measure, we should have won that game by, I don't know, a couple touchdowns, yet we dropped another top 25 game. I'm absolutely just deflated right now. Uh, I have a feeling we may have some differing opinions today, but before we get into it, today's very painful Wake Forest recap is brought to you by my bookie. If you found $100 in the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why you got to go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. They include all kinds of props and live betting, parlays, futures, you name it. No matter your style, the football season is the best time of the year to bet, period. So you don't want to miss out on the action. Join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code SHARE to activate the offer. That's promo code SHARE. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Matt, I anticipated a Wake Forest blowout, so I'm very happy I did not bet this one. Weirdly, on the one hand, the fact that we kept it this close gives me more optimism for the rest of the year, but that's such a loser mentality. You just can't lose like games like this in, in year seven is the bottom line. Yeah, I guess, first of all, I am such an idiot. I mean, six and a half was was a you know pretty decent line there, and I said, you know, I, I got a little too big for my britches, and I took the money line, so... Uh, I guess that's kind of joke on me. I mean, we, we knew that we it was going to take a, a miracle to win this football game. We knew that Wake was, was the real deal coming in. But uh, I don't know. Where do you want to start? I, I, do you want to start with the moral victories? I know there's no moral victories in college football, but I, I have a couple of moral victories just to get off my chest. You you can go for them. Again, my moral victory is that, yeah, like we did not lose by 100. And I do think that now, yes, we can win some ACC games compared to what I anticipated. But, you know, the, the, the margin for error is now gone. Our best case is we win eight games, which is just a terrible best case to be in with five, you know, I'll say toss-ups at best um, on the schedule remaining. How do you get to eight? You're saying, uh, I guess, Clemson and We win those Notre five toss-ups. We, we lose to Clemson, we lose to Notre Dame, uh, and we win. We're not, not going to lose to Notre Dame. We win all five so anyway, of those toss-ups, which is a scary, you know, prognosis, but here we are. There are no moral victories in college football. However... There's a pretty good chance that that's a 10-win Wake Forest team we just played. And not only did we hang with them, but in a lot of ways we outplayed them, right? Uh, So that's number one. Number two, a lot of the deficiencies that have been identified, especially on the defensive side of the football over the past few games, uh, it seems like most of those have have largely been addressed um, and and seemingly were improving uh, versus what was a pretty potent offense. And, you know, last but not least, to your point, if we play like that against the remaining ACC slate, with a, again, with a few key changes we need to make, I like our chances first. Just about anyone but Clemson. Fair, but again, we just what's the point of even rooting for this team anymore? It's just so deflating. <laughs> Seriously, I know that sounds dark and depressing, but like every year we think that this is going to be the year we get to ten wins, we get to eleven wins, we get to twelve wins, and every year just normally it's normally it's early. Last year, I guess last year was pretty early as well. Sometimes they drag it out a little bit longer. But it's just every year it's so deflating and we just hit our walls so quickly into the year. It's like, what's the point of this? I was so upset after that game and I was so upset after Kansas. It just like, it ruins it ruins the next couple of days for me. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a shell of a human being right now. And again, I, y- yes, if we play our best football, there is no question that we can win at least five games remaining on our schedule, if not more than that, as we'll get into in a little bit. Clemson is not good anymore. But 
I mean, the bottom line is like, what's this all for? If we were two and zero against, you know, in the ACC right now, I don't care how bad we looked against Kansas. I'd be feeling great. We'd be ready to rock. We'd be ready to win ten games. Go to Charlotte. Everything would be coming together. But I'm, I'm just, I, I don't even know where to start. Year you're, seven, you're and we panicking. still have these issues. You're panicking. Fine, but it's year seven, and we're having these fixable issues. What yeah. am I supposed to do? All right. Well, I mean, we, we're three and two with a pretty darn good chance to get to five and two, and then. What's after the bye? We can easily get back to, to what, 6-2 and two before we play Clemson? Doesn't matter. False, We're looking five ahead. Is it 5-2, and two, then Clemson right after the bye? Yes. Okay, got it. All right, so we get to 5-2, and two, maybe 6-2, and two, the way Clemson looked. Anyway, we're jumping ahead here. Um, let, let's get into the game a little bit because I think in a lot of ways there's a lot to like. There's certainly a lot to dislike, and this game drove a lot of people crazy, rightfully so. Um, I do want to start with the defense. I think overall... Matt, can you please tell that ambulance to stop by my house? <laughs> I need I need help, man. <laughs> Defensively, I thought we did a pretty good job adjusting to their uh, the hesitation RPO that those guys use. Um, outside of that fluke play that that their quarterback Jamie Newman that went for fifty or, or whatever it was, um, BC largely shut down their running game. Despite that long run, they held the Deeks to three point six yards per carry. That's pretty impressive. No one else has done that to date against Wake Forest, so we'll take that. Um, and again, this was an explosive offense coming into this football game. They're averaging thirty eight points per game. So to hold them to 27, um, including that first seven points coming on short field, you know, we'll take that every day of the week. They locked down in the red zone again. I like that. There was a couple times that uh, they got it to our within our five-yard line and we held them to a field goal. That's a positive. You look at a couple things like that, and at first glance you think, hey, tell you what, this defense did a pretty good job, right? Defense did its job, held them to 27. This, we know this defense sucks. Uh, what happened to our offense, right? Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I think overall, statistically, it was still a horrible performance by the defense. But I'll say that they did all we could ask for based on what we've seen so far, which is to say that they're just not that good of a unit. Again, it was by all means enough to keep us in the game. Like you said, held an explosive way for us to less than 30, which I think that if you told any of us that coming into the game, you know, we would have gladly taken. I think it speaks to the fact that we had an 85% win percentage with those numbers. But that's, again, we'll discuss that, I'm sure, later. But overall, I think they did have a prove-it game on the whole. Uh, broken, again, by the explosive plays, like you said. But, I mean, this was kind of what Daz said in the preseason nonstop, was we might expect to give up 30, but our offense will be there to bail us out. So by that measure, the defense, while giving up literally like 7,000 yards, they somehow did their job. Ben, do break. I did like to see the, the turnover there by Palmer. But... I mean, just like I, again, it, it, what performance are we going to get now the rest of the the rest of the year? Yeah, and and I really think it was a fake good performance. Uh, Correct. You look at very it, fake. Yeah, look at the numbers, right? Yeah, you look yeah, at they the gave two hundred. Yeah, the two key stats that you look at are uh, time possession for Wake Forest was was just under thirty six minutes, and then the the stat that makes you almost fall out of your chair is they converted on third down seventeen times. That has to be a record. Out of what? What was it? Out of 20 or 20? Uh, 23, I think. That yeah, exactly. Converted Outrageous. at a 71% clip or something like right. that. Um, and obviously these are you know related stats. And we saw time after time after time where uh, the D sort of held their own on first and, first and second down. And then Wake sort of got serious on third down. In a lot of ways, it was similar to, to NC State. Remember we were down in Raleigh last year, how frustrating it seemed. Like we were, just, we were shutting them down and then... Uh, you know, once every three plays, they'd get something going and just get over the sticks and Finley would, you know, escape and, uh, you know, it was infuriating. So I had a similar feel uh, to, to the NC State game last year. And to me, it seemed like they had a pretty simple strategy on third down. It's it's almost like Clawson told uh, Jamie Newman that, listen, you have two options. Uh, if you have time, which you will more often than not, just wait until the slot receiver gets open because we have a linebacker on him and he got open every single time. And, you know, I, I like the, the kid Joey Sparacio, but uh, he, I mean, he got, he got beat like 17 times. It was, it was absolutely unbelievable. So that's first option, which usually works. But if that doesn't work, if, if BC does send the house and they get pressure, well, just toss it up to our six foot four receivers and they'll, you know, count on them to make the play. And it really was that simple. And it was, it was such, it was so frustrating to watch uh, time after time after time where, where we, we made absolutely zero adjustment. Yeah, I think that's the bottom line is the lack of adjustment. And again, it just, it is painful to watch, like you said, because you know that at any point, and even like early in the game when we actually, or throughout the game, really, we did a great job stopping the run, but it was almost like, I think as a Wake Forest fan, that would have been more painful to, to watch because why are they just not throwing it on every single down, right? Like it's such a simple way to beat this defense. So my concern is that while not only is it going to be horrible for us this year, even if they continue to do their job like that, just because it's going to be so frustrating to watch, if any team watches even five minutes of film on us, they can just say, hey, we can just throw the ball, you know, 
100 times a game and will score 5,000 points. So I'm still very concerned overall. I mean, I, it's like I don't even know who to be mad at right now. It's it's like if you have a dog that has a poorly trained dog and it pees in the house all the time. If it pees in the house, you can't get upset about it. That's just what the dog does. That's what this defense does. So <laughs> the fact that they gave up 30 or less than 30, you know, I guess we should be commending it. It's like he made it to the you, garage. You can sort of be PM. mad at the dog owner who I guess Correct. is Bill Sheridan. And, and I guess getting back to, to the to the Sparacio point, I'm an idiot. We're idiots when it comes to X's and O's. We're not. We don't know football. But why the hell was he in coverage the entire game? And it, they absolutely picked him apart. Remember Tajamir Torres, his role last year, he was sort of like mm-hmm. the, I don't know if it's a nickelback or or I don't know the terminology. That's like, but it was that obvious. Where someone like me that doesn't know what the heck they're talking about says, "Hey, why don't we throw another D back out there when it's third and eight and they're clearly going to pass the ball and they're going to pass it to the same receiver?" And I think it was that that quarterback Kendall Hinton every single time. It seemed like it at least where he yeah, was throwing in the to slot. A, throwing to a retired quarterback. Really, I think was insult to injury here too. We did not we did not need that. No, so so I mean. And that's what really what, what third down comes down to is who's going to make the better adjustment. And we've shown now in multiple games that that's not going to be us. So again, and, and it felt like this after the Kansas game, we give every team all the film they could ever need to beat us. And it, it's, I don't know where we go from here, but something's got to change. Yeah. And that's where my concern comes in is that, again, we see it as fans and we know how easy it is that, that, you know, to, to beat us. Um, so it is going to, as much as we maybe saw some positivity and said, yeah, if we play our best game, we can beat other teams in the ACC from this game. But I think overall, I, I still leave it with a horrible taste in my mouth. Yeah, I'm with you completely. And our guys at 247 had the same thing as well. They just talked about how, because they do know X's and O's, so credit to them over us, um, how we routine, routinely ran cover two and Wake Forest routinely picked it apart on, cur- Ooh, on critical passing downs you cover with, two, huh? without much of an adjustment by Bill Sheridan. Uh, it would behoove the Eagles to adjust on the fly moving forward. I agree. It would behoove us strongly to do something positively in that department, but I think it just might be is what it is the course of this year, and it's just going to be miserable for, for for all parties and bad for our health too, honestly. Yeah, and, and, and this is nuts to say, but it was almost like that was their strategy. They wanted to control the clock, and they were in no right, hurry to convert because right. they knew they could do it, which sounds ridiculous, but it almost seems like that was Dave Clawson's genius because he knows, he knows his defense sucks. And he knows that A.J. Dillon can get 15 yards at, in this offensive line, can get 15 yards at will, which they did. But the fact that they only had the ball for 24 minutes, yeah, you're only going to put up 24 points. Uh, and we'll get into it. Should have been more than that. But it, pr- pretty solid game plan all, all, all around for uh, for Clawson, I think. And that's the defense. That's the state of the, state of the defense. Again, can't get pressure. We're, we're, we're undersized in the secondary. And everything just sucks. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think the final way you recapped it there was absolutely perfect. Uh, but let's segue into the offense again. Like you just touched on, it should have been more. Multiple trips into the red zone or deep in the in the opponent's territory, coming out with zero points. That's the bottom line. Is the reason that we lost this game again, holding them to twenty seven. The way our offense moved, the way AJ moved. I mean, it was his best game we've seen in you know probably a full year, just about. Um, but not getting more than twenty four points is absolutely inexcusable with the with the positions that we put ourselves in consistently. I thought AB played really well. I thought he had his best game in a while. Again, I thought the line looked great. Um, I thought, again, Zay Flowers getting him back involved was, was awesome. So it's like I don't even know how we possibly didn't score more points. We'll talk about the timeout in a little bit, I'm sure. But yeah, overall, my, I think our aggression. So we'll save it for okay. that. Good. It's, it's mine too, actually. Perfect, so that's perfect. good. Um, but again, it's like, I don't even hate the fourth down call with the one that uh, AB threw the interception, like fourth and, I don't know, three or whatever. I know a lot of people were saying that. Fourth and three 20, I think. Yeah. And, and, and we've got a kicker now that absolutely can, can hit that. Um, I, I Like for me, I, that feels like hindsight. We've always wanted exactly. to be more I'm, aggressive. I'm glad you so said not that because everyone's all over him for that. And it's like, yeah, we didn't convert it. And, and the hindsight police is what I like to call them are, are all over him. And uh, I'm not defending the guy. I mean, I guess I am to some degree, but you are. It's, it you it, it are. always goes back and forth. Oh, we should have gone for it. Why are we kicking a field goal? That, oh, we. Why, why did we I kick? agree with it's, that, and it's it's infuriating. So I, I agree. But again, like so, I'm so I'm not upset about that. So it's not even every coaching decision like that bothers me. But you know, we had more delay of games and more false starts again on third down. So th- these continue these problems that that we've now seen for for either the whole season or the entire era. The timeout, the, the bad snap, everything. It's just coming back to haunt us. Statistically, the fact that, again, the, the I can't I keep coming back to the 85% win percentage based on Bill Connolly's numbers. Which I don't situations. trust. I'm not a big stat guy. I don't really trust Bill Con- Connolly or his methodology or that percentage. It's just Okay, bullshit. fine. Look at like the look at the total yardage and, and, and everything else. I mean, again, I know that their third down percentage like we talked about was scary good, but I mean there's just there's there's no I I I'm dumbfounded as to how we lost that game. Truthfully. I know we racked up more yards, but I, I didn't really feel feel like we were the better 
team for a lot of that point for, for whatever reason and maybe that comes down to coaching so that's not a great argument if I want to you know defend my guy Daz but um, you touched on AB and, and you said he had a pretty good game I agree with you I mean you look at the stats was pretty solid obviously the interception uh, on the first drive was a absolutely terrible duck of a throw and he had he had multiple guys open so that was bad but he recovered from that nicely and, and started making some legitimate throws and you know I, I think that the part that drove people nuts was probably his play in the second half, uh, specifically the fourth quarter, where we went three and out, uh, obviously that key time, and then uh, another time as well, I think it was five or six plays, where it was just brutal incompletions. And to me, while some of that you can put on A.B., certainly, a lot of it you can put on A.B., I don't know why we're not running the football there. A.J. Dillon, again, was running the football at will. The line was dominant. Uh, What's his name? Golick. Uh, did you see that video goal yeah, posted yeah, yeah. on Twitter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much he loved what we were doing. Yeah, right. the line was absolutely mauling Tight these guys. Tight ends blocking was great, right? Yeah, and and the uh, I think it was our first possession. It was actually that's what it was. It was the first possession after the botched field goal attempt. Our defense had a great three and out. They forced. We get the ball back immediately, and again, Dylan had been uh, ripping off runs of of 16, 10, 8 consistently. And the fact that he didn't get the football on that drive with 12 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, down three, was yeah. an absolute travesty. There was no doubt in my mind that they would have, you know, they would have scored there if they didn't uh, abandon the, the run game. I, I don't understand what our play calling is doing there. We're getting a little too cute, I think. Why do we have AJ Dillon if not to wear these guys down? He come, he gets stronger right. in the fourth quarter. Let's take advantage of that. Right, and it, it felt a lot like Kansas too. And I think we said the same thing. You know, he had a phenomenal first half. He was running over those guys. But then all of a sudden, we go down a couple points, and, and you know, now all of a sudden, Adazio is, is afraid to run the ball and goes all but, throw heavy. But Jake, which is, calls the plays. Okay, fine. But it's ironic, right? Because, you know, we've always, and it's like I said earlier with, with the fourth down, we've always complained about throw the ball more, throw the ball more, throw the ball more. And it's almost like he's reading, you know, message board feedback no, exclusively she, and he's just trying no. to throw the ball, but not thinking about the fact that that's a bad strategy. Like, yes, you need, you should throw the ball when you're down, unless you have the best running back in the country who can get 10 yards at will the same way that their quarterback can throw for 10 yards at will. So I don't think yeah, he's there reading is the no, message board. It's he's just, not actually, I'm he, sure he, he's not actually, he he, had, he's very stubborn, but it's like, what, why can't you just find a middle ground? And there were times Because we want game. you to throw the ball more doesn't mean we want you to throw the ball every down. It means we want you to have a balanced offense. I agree, but we had good AB. We had good AB that game. So he just reverted back into bad AB uh, for those drives. So, uh, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but and, and I'm telling him, I, I'm saying that we should have ran the football more, but, you know, it, it goes back to just having a consistent quarterback a lot of the time, right? So, I mean, you look at some of those throws. I like what Bajakian did for most of the game where he, you know, he, he, he got the incorporated the bootlegs and got AB out in space. AB had a phenomenal throw on the run where he evaded a sack and, and found, found Ben Glines on the, on the uh, end line there that, and he made an incredible catch too. So he makes these ridiculous throws, and the line gives him so much time. Why aren't we? Why aren't we flushing him out of the pocket though? Getting him into space, and then set, I don't know how you set up the blocking, but I'm sure there's a way to do that, right? Get him. It's moving. just all very frustrating. Get him, get him in all, yeah. intramural football mode, backyard football right. mode, and he's much more effective. Yeah, and it just again speaks to the frustration of this team in general. It's similar to the defense. It seems like these should be such simple things that we can fix. Can't do it. Same on the offense. Like there's just no excuse for the for the weapons that we have against the defense we were going against. We put up what like 45 against them last year. I know they were a slightly worse defense, but still maturity on our side of the ball. We we have better players, yet we can only come away with 24. And yeah, I mean the bottom line is that that I think. You and I and 90% of fans, if you said the defense will hold this Wake Forest offense at 27 points, we would take that 100 times out of 100 and bet our life savings on the Eagles' money line. So for it to not to come together is – and we talked about it. I was even sitting around at, at, at Dewey's before the game talking to people about it. I was like, yeah, like if we – this is the, – the way that we win this game is we keep them under 30, period. We'll score enough points, but if they hang 50 like we think they could and it looked like it was going to and we fell down 10-0. Um, so it's the fact that it, it just doesn't come together at any point. It's just like, just what are we doing? What are we doing here, man? It's just it's, – it's painful. I agree. All right, let's uh, let's get out of here. I, I guess we should mention that uh, AJ had an, an, another 150-yard game, third consecutive time, and the O-line continues to, to look like probably the best unit in college football. So that bodes well going forward. We have what we need to win football games, and I think that's why everyone's frustrated. Yeah, that's a, that's exactly it. We are we are such a better. We should be. We're we should, we're a five and O team talent wise. 
Yeah, I don't disagree, Matt. It's just it's it sucks, but all, all right, right, let's, let's move uh, on. yeah, let's talk. Let's get into the field goal. And, and can you kick this off? Because I have I have a take here that I I don't know why I care so much about it's this. It's such a bad take. Is it really? It's, we it's haven't, a we haven't talked about this. Take. So I figured you know we'd be on the same page, but uh, why don't you why don't no. you just why don't you kick it off uh, again? For well, first of all, I'll, I'll I guess I'll summarize your take that people should no, 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 be mad. I want I want to give my take. I want you to set the scene, and then I'll give my take. Okay, fine. We're down. Were we down three at this point, or are we down ten? We're down three. We're down three at this point. We have a field goal that is well within range. Uh, Boomer lines it up. It goes straight through. It looks absolutely perfect. But wait, we got a delay of game again. Like the, like we somehow are just addicted to delaying games and false starts. Uh, Boomer was sitting out there for 20 seconds before before the ball was snapped and something didn't happen. There was a breakdown somewhere. I don't know where the breakdown happens or why the ball wasn't snapped. But the bottom line is that it resulted in a timeout. Now, we well, had three timeouts. In a delay of game. It resulted in a delay of game, right. And we had three timeouts left. We didn't call one. We took the delay of game, lined up the field goal again, pulled off what almost ended up being like the best scramble in the history of <laughs> yeah. football because I don't, I forget who the tight end was. It was Grossel had him. Um, and I, that would have been, oh, that finally our breakout dude of the year. There he was. <laughs> he was wide open. I just wish we faked it the whole time. But uh, bottom line is we come away with no points, huge shift in the game. And that's pretty much the bottom line. That, that pretty much ended the game there. Disaster. Absolute disaster. And I think Mutrin, someone mentioned it. I think it, it is on the, it's on the holder to sort of set the scene and uh, get that ball snapped and be watching the clock. And the guys were out there. So I, I really don't know what happened there. Um, and they got it. It was a, it was a photo finish where, you know, a half a second earlier and it would have been three points in a tie ball game. I guess the only thing, and I, again, I don't know why I care about this because it's special teams and it's falls on the head coach no matter what. I get that. But, but everyone's saying that everyone getting mad at Daz for not calling the timeout. He didn't take three points off the board. We, we didn't get three points because we didn't execute the first time by, by not snapping the ball on time. And we didn't execute the second time because the, the snapper threw a ground ball to the holder. The, the timeout there is irrelevant to me. So everyone getting on Daz for saying, why don't you call the timeout? That's like That wouldn't have solved anything. We still would have fumbled the neck of the snap. And he, he right, made well, the you first can't, one. By you s- can't look at it that way. It's not it's not in a vacuum of like a sure lottery ball. Of the fumbled it, it, snap was the next one that was going to pick. Either if it was the, well, well, the yeah, could have been an extra point in it, overtime. The delay game effectively was a, was a timeout. It got pushed back five yards. Distance was not an issue because he made the first one by 60. And uh, it would have been the same thing. Such would have been down a timeout. Again, no one cares. I just, I, I don't know why this is captivated. A, you realize that the point of a timeout is to, and I saw your, your argument was like, oh, well, you want to have all your timeouts. The point of your timeouts is to use them in late game situations. Well, it's not trailing. exclusively it's to, to stop, stop the, the clock. Yes, it is. That's, that is not the, all right, so that's a loser mentality is you're basically saying we're going to save all of our timeouts because we're going to find ourselves losing in the final two minutes. I'm just saying it that's doesn't matter. The timeout you doesn't them matter. For, you no. use them for issues when you need to fix things, whether that's make adjustments on defense. If you have a horrible matchup and you don't want them to score 40 points or, or a 40-yard you know, touchdown, it is also for special teams when you're not set up correctly and you can tell something's off. We were set up correctly. You have to rush the field goal. That would mean you have to rush the field goal, but you, whatever. You can see there's probably a reason out you there. You know what would happened? We would have called the timeout. He would have made the field goal, and then we would have bobbled the snap on the next play, and then everyone would begin on desk. Why did he call the timeout there? He, he iced his own kicker. Well, not if the not if the not if the ball was snapped after the play clock would have gone off anyways, and then it wouldn't have mattered if the play clock was running down. I mean, the bottom line is that yes, this is this is you know if this was if this was one instance in seven years of terrible special teams, I actually you know could see your point, and I could say, look, this is just it was flat out bad luck or it was bad execution. Blame Ricky Brown, bang the snapper holder, whoever. But it's a pattern, and at a certain point, when you see patterns, you need to call them out and address them as what they are. I agree. Yeah, I agree, and and okay. I, I know that I can't defend it last thing i'll say though is like he's tried so hard he brought in like five kickers and this he, guy's he a good kicker too he overhauled the special teams he uh and and like the other thing is you think nick saban's ever talked to a kicker in his life they spend zero time like good head coaches spend zero time on this and daz is trying so hard and we just can't figure it out it's so amazing I, I i feel for the guy from that standpoint it's so dumb that stuff like this keeps happening but it does keep happening to him so people have a right to be mad the timeout to me it, it, and again it doesn't matter so who cares let's let's keep okay. this moving all right, I'm actually happy to hear that. So that was my pood in general. Um, I'll go to I'll go to my dude here. So I will say again, I do like that we don't quit. Um, there is you know the ability to overcome an early deficit. We saw it against Vatek. Uh, we saw it this week when they went up 10-0 or when they went up 7-0, and then when they were driving in to go at 14 nothing. I thought it was about to get ugly, like 60 nothing. 
worst loss we've seen in a long time, but defense stepped up, got a stop or kept into a field goal. And then the boys kept their heads down and got to work. Weren't worried about the scoreline fought back. So I do love to see that that has been two games so far where, where we, um, you know, have seen that ability to recover. And I think that is going to be important because I don't think there's any schedules left or, or games left on the schedule that we're going to necessarily, you know, run away with wire to wire. So, you know, if we're, if we're trying to take out some positives of this game, I think the fact that it would have been very easy for them to quit um, as a fan. I know it was very easy for me to quit when they went down 10 nothing. I thought that was it. So the fact that they're not, you know, completely rolling over and dying is something that is that is positive. And uh, it's different, too, because I feel like normally, historically, we go down two scores and it's and it's over. But maybe it's because we've got a good offense. I don't know what it is, um, but. I don't know. I, if we have to find positives, there it is. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good one there. And, and we say it all the time, how this team sucks at coming from behind just because the style of play. We, we're going to be run heavy, and we sort of uh, change it into something we're not when we're trailing, which we don't like. Um, so, yeah, that's that's good to see, but hopefully we don't have to tap into that too much, especially over the next couple of weeks against uh, what, what look to be inferior opponents. Um, my dude this week, Matt, is the fact that I was not at the game. I, this was a game that I had circled my calendar, potentially going to. However, it conflicted. I was up in Vermont um, at a brewfest slash golf event uh, where I just played a played a bunch of golf, had a bunch of beers, and um, so so yeah. So I, I missed out. Okay. I was I was on the golf course. And, yeah, I'm gonna mention that later. Don't worry. Okay. All right. Well, I was at the golf course, Matt, and I was streaming the game. I, I pretty much saw every single play. I had the game set up on my phone, and for whatever reason, I was up in you know up way up in Vermont, and uh, the reception was, like, perfect. So I was watching HD television on my iPhone 10, not to brag, so it's a big screen. I was pretty much – it was probably a better view than you got than at, you were at Dewey. So um, Interesting. one thing that happened, though, was I tried to set it up in between the windshield of the cart, and it fell out, and my phone smashed. So um, okay. a pooed within the dude there. But the dude was – that would have been heartbreaking. We've done the whole – Losing to Wake by three points at home before. Remember uh, 2015, Matt? You and yeah, I were I do, there. Matt. That was I miserable. Um, so thank, thankful to not be there is my dude. Okay, fair. Um, for the dude of the week, because I just I don't think anyone on the field really deserves it, despite some you know decent performances. Um, so I'm going to the hardwood here, Matt. Demar Langford committed to Boston College two weeks ago. We missed it because we were talking about all the Rutgers stuff, but absolute huge commitment. This guy is a stud, four-star. I think it's the best recruit. It's the best New England recruit we've gotten since I think Chris Heron, the senior, not the junior. His older brother was the guy who transferred in from Providence. He was also a big recruit at the time, so that definitely helped. But I think even more so in hoops than it is in football, local recruiting is the key to BC getting back on track. Massachusetts, Boston, New England, you know, all of it is just a hotbed of hoops talent. A lot of those UConn teams were powered by great local kids. Uh, a lot of the, you know, good Providence teams are local. So getting local guys to buy in is is absolutely humongous. And I'll say, again, good early reports at a BC basketball practice so far. It's a strong pood within my dude of the week because this is only going to get my hopes up further that we finally turn a corner when I... Yep. No, that's not going to be the case, but they, from they what look, we're hearing... They look good in the power gym every single September, Matt. They're so saying that when are you they're saying that Jairus is a baller. They're yes. Jarius. Yep. They said he figured it out. They say these freshmen are legit. Uh, no tabs, though, so we'll have that excuse built in when we only win one game in the ACC, but... Remember they for said, now. Yeah, the, for the, now. the Garland Owens when he was the best player on the team. All right, they were don't don't talk then. don't talk bad about Garland Owens. He's, no, he's, I like, he's I a like good Garland. player. Yeah, absolutely. He's a good player. Yeah. All right, I, what do you got? I, you know, I'm boycotting hoops until we actually prove something and/or find a new head coach. Um, so I'm not interested in anything until they start winning ball games. All the recruiting stuff, while important, is not really my purview. And to me, the stars don't matter. And we got a bunch of, we got a transfer from Duke that's transferred 18 times. And I just don't see it this year. I don't see it any year. Anyway, my dude of the week, Matt, going back to football is Travis Levy. Shout out to Travis Levy on the special teams. Did you know, Matt, he's third in the country in kick return yardage with 368. He's averaging 23 yards per return. He ripped off a a huge 45 yarder to set up BC's touchdown at the end of the first half. And, uh, and just overall, he's, he's sort of picked up where Mikey Walker left off. Plus, he takes pretty good care of the football. So, um, although again, so far, I, right? I think he had one fumble in week one. He, reco- he, recovered, he recovered it. it. Yeah, that's, that yeah. doesn't that okay. doesn't count, right. Matt. 
Um, pointed out. Although I will say, I, I jinxed AB last week for take, for taking good care of the football. He threw the two picks. I probably should do the same to Travis Levy. Yep. Um, but uh, that's that's life, I guess. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Eagles in the wild. I've just got two quick ones. Milano, I thought, played pretty good against the Pats, considering they've got like the greatest offense in the history of the world. He relatively kept them contained. And then Harold Landry had two sacks on Matt Ryan. So a little eagle-on-eagle eagle crime there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Milano was was nuts. He, he's like got to be the most underrated linebacker in the NFL because he always plays the Pats. Yeah, though, he's really good. I don't watch a lot of he's Bills really games good. otherwise, but I don't know if he's been to the Pro Bowl, but he, he should be. Anyway, uh, one eagle in the wild for me is uh, Scotty Loeffler checking in on Bowling Green. They lost by 42 to Kent State. Um, <laughs> they've now been outscored 149 to 27 versus FBF opponents. So uh, and, great. And Matt, doesn't look any better this week. They head to Notre Dame. As 45-point underdogs, and uh, and frankly, I don't know that that is high enough. Yikes. Okay. And well, that's the stuff movies are made out of if you it, can somehow pull that off, so we'll see. Yeah, it sure is. All right, let's, let's bring it into the courtroom. Court is officially in session. All right, so first and foremost, we've got a couple briefs to file. Uh, first off, we want to give a shout-out to... One of the guys behind the scenes of Fourth and Dude for passing the bar uh, just the other day. So great news there. What this really means, Matt, is that our duty as corpus is, I think, going to take the next level now that we have an official certified lawyer who can uh, kind of jump in sometimes and tell us when we're right or wrong. So that's huge. Got a lot of slack on the Appellate Court last week. I still think I'm pronouncing it right, but a lot of people said I was incorrect on that. And then, Matt, like you talked about earlier, I think that I'm going to bring up charges to disbar you for golfing during what was the biggest game of the year at the time. Hey, Matt, uh, the Appellate Court, uh, Johnny Appleseed uh, presiding. That's my joke there. Yeah, it's not great. Okay. Um, okay. All right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm guilty. However, I, again, I, I made a terrific effort to still watch the game to the point that my iPhone 10, again, not to brag, has a huge hole in it right now as we speak. Right in the middle. Like, I can't. It's, it's, yeah, it's dead set. in a very yeah. important part. It, I almost ran ran it over with the golf cart, but but anyway. Would have been uh, so yeah, so I'm guilty there, but like I at least I, I should get a lesser sentence because of you know I, I tried I guess so like maybe okay. just community service for me there. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I think that'd be good for you. Okay, so duteous corpus is typically about football. We we brought in some other. Oh, shout out to to our chief legal officer, as you said. That's that's huge. So now we're officially like a sanctioned yeah, no, duteous corpus yep. and registered in, in the appellate court. Um, Correct. So that's great. All right, so uh, let's start it off with. Do you want to hit Clemson first? I, I guess we have to. Yeah. So they stink. Is I think the bottom line. I know that that UNC you know is kind of the the darling program at least at the start of the year until they lost two straight. Uh, but they're not good enough I don't think to be taking Clemson down to a game that I mean I don't want to say they should have won necessarily but should have at least gone to overtime I love the call going for two there when you're playing the number one team in the country like what do you have to lose but yeah I mean Clemson has been underwhelming all year I think everyone has said it mostly us but that performance just kind of you know put it more on on the table than anything else I still don't obviously consider that a win for us yet but like it's it's certainly more in the conversation and I think that they'll get demolished you know later in the year when it comes to the playoffs because there's no one in the ECC you don't think that you don't think they're going to turn it on and because because really and and I didn't expect I thought the defense was going to have issues but it's really been the offense which is unbelievable considering the weapons they have and it's really been Lawrence right so um, I think I have a feeling they're going to figure it out as soon as we head down there. Probably. Four weeks. We're the best. Our defense is the best medicine for any for any offense. By the way, it's just like you got to get your groove back. Go play against us and put up 800 yards and and feel really good about the team that you have on your hands. That's a really good point there. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's too soon to tell there. So I think the jury is out on that. Um, I do want to bring Florida State into the courtroom, and we haven't you know said anything positive about Florida State in probably two years, Matt. At this point, really, since we've been a podcast, they've been so bad. So I'll say this. Willie Taggart is guilty of being a bad quarterback evaluator. Alex Hornibrook, who was the Wisconsin transfer, is guilty of borderline being a Heisman candidate. And FSU is almost guilty of being back, Matt. Yeah, I'm with you. And we said this earlier in the year, too, that a lot of these programs that have talent, that you want to get those games out of the way early because they are going to figure things out. And this is exactly what we feared. And we're seeing it even earlier than I expected. But yeah, that was a game that if you asked me two weeks ago, I thought was a was a pretty sure win, honestly, then coming into town on Red Bandana night. And I mean, I still I'm not, I'm not saying it's a guaranteed loss or anything like that, but I feel a lot worse about it now than I did before Hornybrook got the ball. And on the flip side of that, the Wolfpack, if we don't beat them, like that is such a must yeah, win. Correct. A really, really bad NC State team at home. 
that it, it, again, if we don't beat them this year, I don't know. I, I think we probably we probably won't win more than four games, honestly. It's, I mean, I think the wheels could come off, and that's why I'm honestly I'm very stressed out about these next two games. I think that anytime you're on the road, you know, is is, is and we'll obviously talk a lot about Louisville in a minute, but anytime you're on the road, that's not going to be an easy game. And these next two games, I feel like we need to go two and zero to even have a chance at like. I don't want to say a bowl season because I feel like anyone can eke out six wins, but a chance to have a season that we actually feel okay about is going 2-0 here. And I am frightened that that will not be the case. If we go 0-2, I mean, to your point, yeah, it's 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 pretty much over. I don't even see where we get the fourth one at that point, let alone five or six. What's your hot seat meter? Just uh, real quick. Well, the reality of the situation is that I don't think we will ever, I don't think Leahy would ever approve a midseason firing is just the bottom line. Yeah, I think yeah, that we yeah. could go and I think we could lose out and I don't think it would matter. Uh, so with that said, I mean, I, I feel like if he doesn't, if he gets a six wins, he'll be safe. I'll hate it, but yeah, I, I, just, will I just feel like that'll be the, that'll be the, you, you'll, you did, will too. Did you, did you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that six and six is, is really, really bad this year. It's, it's yeah, such the, a bad the, the ACC. ACC is so bad and we, we should have a good team. So yeah, I, I have a, I have a, uh, uh, let me put it this way. There are basically three different outcomes that can happen. I think one is we rip off a bunch of wins and we go eight and four and we feel great about that. And, and, you know, all happy moving on. Uh, others, we meet in the middle, we get six wins or so, but he stays that to me, I feel like is the worst case scenario versus the others, just the wheels fall off and we go three and nine and then he's out. We can start fresh, you know, with ABs last year, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't really know. It could go any of those three ways and I don't think either of them would, would shock me. So strap in. Yeah. And I love Daz and I'm saying six and six just doesn't cut it this year. So, and the outrage last year when we, we won seven games, I know we ended on a sour note, but can you imagine what this fan base is going to do if we go six and yeah. six or worse and, and retain them? So I can't imagine that, but um, so anyway, just curious. I don't think we talked about that in a while because we were again on the road to, to fourteen and one, which we has were been, for a little bit. You don't fire a coach when they go to fourteen and one. That's just that's how football works. Exactly. A um, couple other housekeeping items. Uh, you tweeted it out, but, we, but our our strength of schedule hit a took a big hit this week, um, and they weren't just losses; they were absolute smackdowns. You talk about Rutgers getting shut up by Michigan, 50, 52 to nothing. They fired their coach, obviously. Virginia Tech got smoked by Duke, forty five to ten, and then Kansas. We thought was gonna have a big year. Les yeah, Miles, did. Matt Hatter, what happened? They got absolutely wrecked by TCU. So and Khalil Herbert is now transferring. Correct. Yeah. So maybe throw an asterisk on that game because I think he <laughs> right. he didn't play and he right. you know, ran all over us for two hundred yards. So yeah, that that one doesn't count. Yeah. No, I'm with you. It was really bad, and I think for good measure, Fordham beat Richmond as well. So I think oh. we had a solid over four weekend. Uh, no one goes into the Bronx and comes out with a win. Everyone knows that in college football. I think even Alabama would have a hard time there. But yeah, it's just it's just really bad. And you know, you look back at this Virginia Tech win week one that we were like, oh my god, like this is the real deal. This is a good Vatech team. They're going to fight for the Coastal, and that's just not the case at all. Only other thing I had here is uh, at least Q's is there with us. They did beat Holy Cross this weekend. Huge for they, them. Yep. But they still took an L when Maryland lost fifty nine to nothing to Penn State. Right. We're big transitive property guys. Uh, if you combine those, Penn State would beat Syracuse 122 to 20. Right. So not that's, great. That's a neat score there. Not yeah. great. Yeah. That this 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 year's Syracuse game could have a lot on the line, and like just for our general sanity, if we can't beat a team that lost to Penn State by 200 points. But agreed. All right. Anything else for you? No, that will do it for me. Court is adjourned. And let's talk Redbirds. All right. Today's Cardinal preview is brought to you by Blue Chew, which we all need more than ever this week because BC football, I think, has made all of us lose that pep in our step. But dudes, any of you out there looking to increase your performance on and off the field and gets that extra confidence you're looking for, listen up. BlueChew.com, blue like the color, brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. You can take them anytime after a tailgate or a mod party, and since they are chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Most guys talk a good game, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. They're prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we still have a special deal going for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. When you use our promo code armchair, just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code armchair to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring our Louisville preview. Let's just get right into it. What do you have for fun facts? All right, my fun fact for Louisville. Did you know, Matt, the town of Louisville 
has invented a lot of stuff, or at least has made some a lot of ridiculous claims to have invented stuff. I'll give you a quick list here. The Cheeseburger, the song Happy Birthday, Chewing Gum, and the High Five. Okay. Cheeseburger is definitely a lie. That was in Middletown, Connecticut, I believe, um, or maybe New Haven, but either way, are you, that's... Are you thinking the rap invented by Bobby Valentine? No, that is also true, though. Connecticut builds a lot of stuff, but yeah, the cheeseburger is fully a Connecticut thing, and, and the other ones I didn't hear, but the disco ball, I know they produce 90% of those. That's a fact I think we used before, so that's not my official fun fact. Correct. My official fun fact is that they have the bigger, biggest fireworks display in the country, to kick off Derby week every year. So bigger than anything on New Year's or 4th of July or anything like that. That's pretty impressive. I don't know if I believe that, but that's what they say online. There's a lot of claims being made on the internet related to Louisville. What's going on here? Yeah, and and I I, I didn't necessarily check the bibliographies uh, accompanying those facts. So, yeah, I'm I'm skeptical as well, Matt. Like, you just feel like at a minimum, like the Macy's, you know, New Year's Eve or whatever they do in New York or something like that, or 4th of July would, would have that beat. You would think. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, but it's big doings. I, I, I've never been to the Derby. I'd, I'd like to someday, but um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's big doings down there, so, so it wouldn't shock me. Speaking of Kentucky, the Kentucky Derby, and we just get into our top five plus six man movies slash whatever uh, that took place in Louisville, Kentucky, um, Seabiscuit, Matt. Did you yeah, know Seabiscuit? It was on my list. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to steal that one before you. <laughs> you did. Uh, so Seabiscuit uh, star Tobey Maguire, I think it won a Best Picture. Um, I was trying to figure out the story of Seabiscuit. I know I saw it in theaters, but I was like seven, so I don't really know what happened. Um, and I wanted to say, oh, well, Seabiscuit won the Kentucky Derby. Or he won the Preakness. He didn't win anything. He never Correct. won a major. So what's all the hype about? I don't really well, get so it. Well, the, so the, I'm going to get the ages wrong, and you're gonna, this is going to be exposed to me as a, as a not a, as serious of a horse guy as I claim to be, but the the triple crown are only for either, t- I think for two-year-olds or three-year-olds, whatever. Seabiscuit got good when he was older. So he missed all those races. Oh, so he like he racked up wins on the senior tour. He's like he's well, like Fred Fred Couples, except I mean, it's he, never, like except he never won. He never won a major. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Because Freddie Couples has a green jacket. I think it was different back then in the twenties too. It was like the Great Depression, so I think people just liked kind of things to get excited about. So I don't know. The plot just doesn't do it for him if he never won a major. But anyway, so that's triple, a triple crown. A triple crown race is the name of it, by the way, not a major. But okay, all right. So that's that's fair. I'm going to kind of follow suit here for my first overall pick and go with Secretariat. This is a horse that did win the Kentucky Derby and, and won a lot of other races, including the Triple Crown. Probably the best horse of all time, to be honest. I think if you look at like the side-by-side of Secretariat's Belmont run versus American Pharaoh, who obviously won the Triple Crown like five years ago. Secretariat, how, about Smarty, how about Smarty Jones? No, Smarty Jones. Nope. I don't, Smarty Jones did not get it done either. Uh, really? Secretariat smoked American Pharaoh in the Belmont by like two minutes, pretty much. So phenomenal horse. Uh, Mike Francesa, I think, might have known Secretariat for a little bit, but obviously it takes a lot uh, of shots at Churchill Downs in Louisville. And then they film a lot at Keeneland, which is another great course that is in Lexington. Um, they filmed a lot of their other racetrack shots at Keeneland. So that's my first overall pick. I think we got the horses out of the way. I'm going to keep it in the sports world and go for Ali. Uh, with Will Smith with my next pick. I don't know how much of it takes place in Louisville, but of course Muhammad Ali is like Louisville's biggest claim to fame on top of all their other inventions. Uh, Louisville is actually wearing Muhammad Ali-themed jerseys this Saturday, which scares me. But yeah, that's my that's my third pick. Yeah, it's a good one there. That that I saw that as well, and that's that's scary too. Actually, someone stopped me. A Florida State fan stopped me in the grocery store. I was down the Cape. I don't usually go to the grocery store, but this is what happened. Uh, I was wearing BC stuff as I as I want to do, and he he stopped me and said, "Oh, you're a BC guy. You guys aren't doing the red bandana game against us this year, are you?" And I said, "Yeah, yes, sir, we are." And he said, "Oh, we hate to play you guys against that because it's such a great cause, and you know, rightfully so." I'm not saying Ali is quite on that same level, but. I sort of feel for other opposing teams that now I have don't to face. like special jerseys. Yeah, I'm with exactly. You. It's that's, just, it's, that's yeah, that's my main message here. It's I'm like we you. want to avoid we we you know it's like you hate to play a team if they have like a, a, like Purdue last year, right? And like it was an awesome story with there was a you know sad story, but a, a, a you know great cause to rally around with Tyler Strong and all that. I mean, Tyler I think Trent. That, Trent. It was t- Tyler. T- t- Tyler Trent, I think. Okay, yeah, Tyler Trent, but it was Tyler. No, Tyler oh, Strong was like oh, the okay. cause. I see what you're Great saying. Great cause, yeah. like I mean, very sad story, but but you know, so happy for for you know him at the time and and for everyone to rally around it. But like looking back at it, we obviously never had a chance, and obviously Ohio State never had a chance when they went in there. That was a game they were going to lose by 100 every single time. Right, agreed. So that game should have an asterisk as well if we're going back through the history records here. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm up next in the four hole here. Um, I got Rain Man. Rain Man was shot uh, in Louisville uh, in certain scenes. I've never seen Rain Man. I know a little bit about what it's about. I do know that Dustin Hoffman's in it. And 
For those of you that follow Dustin Hoffman B-Ball, I highly recommend it. It's probably the best follow on Twitter. I don't think it's active, but it's sort of timeless. Yeah, I think it's been shut down for like 10 years, but yeah, yeah I th- the jokes are I, timeless, I guess. But they're, those are probably the, one of the best Twitter follows in Twitter history, I would say. So so Google Dustin Hoffman B-Ball, and it's self-explanatory. You guys will get it. And then my fifth hole here, Matt, Top Chef Season 16 okay. took place okay. in Louisville. This is a good one here. And did you know, Matt, they did the fastest two minutes in cooking? where contestants had two minutes to prep ingredient in, ingredients before their knives were confiscated. Nice. That's like, a, I get it, the horse racing theme and all exactly. that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with the final pick, Tammy, the Melissa McCarthy film. Apparently, that's filmed and set in Louisville. I have not seen that one. I actually am a big Melissa McCarthy fan. Of course heat, you are. The Heat with Sandra Bullock is a laugh-out-loud funny movie, especially, you know, they got all the Boston stuff going on. So I prefer The Heat to Tammy, just because I haven't seen Tammy. Uh, but that would be my sixth pick. Honorable do you, mentions. Do you prefer Bridesmaids over Wedding Crashers? No, I don't. But I mean, I think Bridesmaids is a funny movie. Or you're going to really be like you just guy who's just like, oh, women comedians can't be funny. Or, did I say wedding? I meant The Hangover. No, The Hangover is also more funny. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, but is that your stance that Melissa McCarthy, she can't be funny? Uh. No, it's not. It's not a, a formal stance. I just, I think that I, I don't, I don't want to funny I'm going to say, so, I'm going to say, so, no, I haven't seen The Heat. I don't okay, think anyone in the history heat. Funny. has seen The I'm not going to see The Heat. Okay. It's a funny movie. Uh, anyways. My honorable mentions, before you say something that I think you will regret, The Insider, uh, starring Al Pacino and Russell Crowe. It's a thriller set in Louisville. Haven't seen it, but great actors. And then Goldfinger, James Bond film. They have to protect Fort Knox, which is a spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it. They succeed. And a lot of it was filmed in Louisville and surrounding Kentucky. Yeah, I saw that Not too. a lot of Bond movies are filmed in America, I feel like. So that's, I that's cool. I would agree with that. I, I have one other one on my list, The Ides of March. I don't know what it's about. Um, but I do know that George Clooney, Ryan Gosling, and my guy Phil Seymour Hoffman, rest in peace, rest in peace all, yeah. all starred in it. Um, so that's what I'm going to check out as soon as we get off the phone here, Matt. Okay, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, all right, I'll, I'll start with travelability. So Louisville is actually one of the uh, Atlantic teams that we have not been on a road trip to yet. And I've heard great things. I've heard it's a very fun city for all things considered. They've got the Bourbon Trail. That's all good. So I think we'll get, we'll get there within a couple of years, but not today. Uh, I think after last week's loss, that just takes a lot of the air out of this game for me. Obviously, it's going to be 85 and sunny, so that's great. And we're recording this on, what, Wednesday night? So that's, I feel like that's probably pretty accurate. That's probably not going to change. Neither team is at a peak right now. So I'm going a, a sub-50% score, 2.4 RVs. Which is how many Bud Lights or RVs uh, out of 30? 14.4. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, again, below 50%. I'll actually be in Italy for this, so I won't watch live because I don't think they have the ACC network in Italy. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine if Italy a, has it, but, thing. like, most of Boston doesn't have it? Correct. It's yeah, funny. right, right. So it's a, it'll be, a, it'll be a, a good thing to just be watching on, you know, Score Center or whatever the, the ESPN app is. Yeah, you mentioned most of what was on my list. Obviously, the 1230 kickoff, you, you get it out of the way early, which is, you know, good and bad. And uh, you said this too, but Louisville is one of those cities that I think we were, at, we were down in Raleigh again last year, and um, someone was, was really recommending, they were hyping up the, the away trip to Louisville. And it seems like one of those cities that a lot of people recommend. So it's on my list, like the bourbon stuff's cool, and the Louisville Slugger Museum, Churchill Downs. Um, so maybe, I don't know, a couple of years from now. Like I mean, maybe, I guess maybe it'd be the, maybe an even number of years from now. Yeah, yeah I mean, so maybe two years from now. I know you're not a bourbon guy, but it gives you, gives you some time to develop the palate. Okay. Um, so I don't know, maybe two years from now we'll be down in uh, in, in Louisville. We'll see. Um, so I have 18.7. Okay, a little higher than me. That's a little yeah. high for a team that's as bad as we are, but... Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. I'm just, I'm excited to get get a, a W back in and, and get the momentum back on board. But and it is a big game. It's a cool town. It's more for the weekend, though, not like... That's fair. The, yeah, the, I think the... the tra- and that's the spirit of the travelability ranking. So I appreciate yeah. you you sticking on, on target there. So let's get into the football. Bottom line is Louisville is not great. They are 2-2 two and two with losses to Notre Dame and, and Florida State. But we're not great either. Um, they are much better than they were last year. They got this new coach, Scott Scatterfield from App State. He's been looking, you know, he's had the team look a lot better than I think most people expected coming into the year. Again, last year they were 2-10. and 10. They were terrible. But everything is has enhanced with, with Coach Scott um, in the building here. A couple of banged up quarterbacks right now. So Juwan Pass, who we saw last year, Malik Cunningham. Uh, Juwan Pass got injured in week one or after week one. It's been Cunningham the last two weeks. Reports are that they've both been practicing this week. I don't know who's going to keep the job. I think maybe Cunningham. But it sounds like Cunningham is is getting close to 100 percent and he's passes. just healthier. Yeah, yeah, they're not sure about pass. So okay, um, we'll see. And it's funny. I mean, they're different quarterbacks too. You, you think that they're similar? They they do use both of them in the run game, but Malik Cunningham's much more of a an athlete. Like he's a runner, whereas right. Juwan Pass, as his name suggests, is a more capable thrower. 
Correct. That makes sense. That would be, it's like a Greenland Iceland thing if it was the other way there. So I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. They have a run heavy offense, which I don't know. I don't know anymore how, how that matches up with our defense. Cause I just don't think our defense is good period. Again, we were great against the, uh, I don't even call it. It wasn't even an RPO. It's just like a run run option last week. Um, we looked really good against that. So maybe we have figured some stuff out up front, which would be good since we're playing a run heavy team. Uh, these guys, Hawkins and Hall share the load on that side of the thing. And then the only other note I have on the offensive side of the ball is, 2-2 Atwell, the guy who said we were slow last year. This year he is correct because we are slow in the <laughs> secondary. He's our top receiver so far. He's got 310 yards and five touchdowns. I'm a little afraid that this is kind of a prove-it game for him after he was embarrassed last year, not only by the final score, but Matt, also by us, if you remember. We were heckling him from the first row for pretty much all four quarters. We were. I had the same exact sentence in my note as well, Matt. He was just one year too too early on correct. his slow people comments. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's, yeah, can you imagine making there. that when you have like Zach Allen and Zach King Cole and the secondary that we had, like, just wait, man, just wait a year. <laughs> yeah. Just wait till they're all in the pros. Yeah. Wait, wait till we sit, we're going to give up 48 to Kansas. He's probably looking his chops right now. Um, all right. So I did some homework on this. Obviously Scott Satterfield is new to the ACC. Matt, I watched some Appalachian state film, believe it or not. And so they have a, a run heavy off. They had a run heavy offense there and they do this thing that's called an outside zone. Um, so again, did a little research. It, it's primarily a run where you run to the outside, you run off the tight end, right? And upon the snap, your O-line cheats to sort of wall off, uh, the defense. So if you're running, you know, off the right tight end, then your whole defense sort of pivots and, you know, they, they kind of create a, uh, a picket fence type of situation. I'm sure I botched that and everyone actually knows football. Honestly, that probably sounds better that. than whatever Bill Sheridan's thinking right now. So I, I like that. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to bet on Louisville. No, but they have weapons, and it seems like he's adapted that that running style, utilizing the quarterback. So um, they, they do have, you know, they, to, to, to your point, they have been solid on the ground. I think they're top three in the ACC in total rush day. But as we saw last year, uh, this is a pretty good offense. They have athletes. We talked about 2-2, um, which, again, is a ridiculous name. They also have a 6-3 guy, uh, Fitzpatrick. So, you know, again, if they were watching the, the Wake film from last week, which I'm, I'm certain that they will, you got to like their chances of throwing up jump balls, especially in the red zone. So he could potentially have a big game if we can't figure out what's going on in the secondary. But overall, I mean, this O-line, you remember how bad this O-line was last year. Zach Allen absolutely feasted last year. Um, so as while they have been you know manageable in the run game, uh, this is a team that gives up a lot of sacks. I think they've given up 13 sacks on the year. So if our defense is going to start to get going, I like this to sort of be the jump-off point. Um, someone like Carafa. Uh, you know, we're going to need him to step Assuming up Assuming he's healthy. I don't know what his injury report was. I know he just left the game last week. Oh, really? I missed that. Or he went, you know, you were, you were golfing. I shouldn't I say he left the game. I know he was taken out of the game. I don't know if he ever came back. I suppose we yeah. should have researched that. One one thing to watch for strategically, this is a the, the outside zone sort of predicated, again, I'm running it to the outside. So our DNs absolutely need to maintain, contain on the quarterback. So that, that'll be something to watch for. Um, defensively, they were one of the worst defenses in NCAA history last year. They allowed 40, 44 points per game, including uh, seven games of 50-plus with the exclamation point coming with Georgia Tech, who they allowed 66 points and 542 rushing yards to, which is truly unbelievable considering how bad Georgia Tech was. We Obviously, we faced them last year. We only hung 38 on them, but Dylan was not healthy. And you'll remember this is where Dylan had his breakout uh, game where he, where he let him up for 272 and four touchdowns and, and stiff-armed what's-his-name's face into the ground and, and sort of went viral there. So he's back to the scene of the crowd from that standpoint. And um, long story short, this is, a, this is a defense we can absolutely run on. Our O-line is way bigger than theirs, so we should absolutely dominate the run game. And I don't want to throw the football until they stop the run, and I don't think they'll be able to stop the run. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, again, overall, they are a stronger unit than they were last year because, like you said, it's physically impossible to be the same or worse. Um, so Kane Pass is their best player. I don't know if he has any relation to Jawan. That's something, again, that we should have looked into. But worth noting, they have zero interceptions so far this year. So the way that Anthony Brown protects the ball before Matt jinxes him, I expect that trend to continue. So um, hopefully a clean game on our side of the things. Linebackers are very strong. Should, I think, give him a test, Dylan a test overall, but one that we expect him to pass. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is they're not great, but they are much better than last year um, when we saw them. And, and the reality is that we're not good enough to win in the ACC without playing our best game. So this is certainly not a walkover game by any means. We need and, to play the, our best. And the risk here, too, is you know they, they've recruited well. You know The recruiting right. didn't drop off. I think they may, maybe had one or two bad years, but Petrino got talent. 
and um, the issue was was very much coaching last year. So Satterfield was one of those no-brain hires in the offseason where, you know, he turned around Appalachian State, oversaw them become an, an FBS football team, and he's, you know, highly regarded as one of the best offensive minds in the game. So you combine that talent with his coaching, you know, ability. I know it's not his team yet. He doesn't have his guys, but he does have, you know, he's he's got enough to be dangerous. So it's something to watch out for there. And, um, you know, we talked about defensively. So this, this team gave up 112 rush yards to Florida State. Cam Akers had 112 and, and three touchdowns. We know how bad that offensive line is. So, again, this should be ground and pound until they prove otherwise. Yeah, I agree. And I hope that we don't get away from that. Again, if we do go down or anything like that, again, unless they can actually stop the run, let's keep it going. Just don't do what we did before where, yeah, we're losing, but they can't stop the run. But let's try to start passing and not running anymore. So that's my only concern. But I'll get ready to my prediction. The line shot up to Louisville minus seven, I think now, which is flat out insulting. BC is a better team, period. And I think the betters are still overreacting to the Kansas loss. And if we play like we did against Wake, we win this game pretty easily. And Wake's not even the best game that we can we can put together. So I'm with you. I think it's a healthy dose of Dylan. Wear them down. Have AB keep them honest when necessary. And the defense just pretty much do what they did against Wake, which isn't to say do anything spectacular, but just like hold them under 30 points. And I think we'll be okay. I'm going to go BC 35, Louisville 24. And hopefully back on the winning ways. If I'm, you know, checking my phone and it's a barn burner and we end up losing this game, it's it's going to get it's going to get ugly very quickly. I think. I agree. Um, it, and yeah, this might be the most lopsided offensive line versus defensive line matchup that that we'll see. Uh, so I think that bodes really well. I like Dylan to get to continue to, to to rack up yardage. I like Bailey to get in there too. I think combined they can they can approach 400 yards on the ground. I see no reason why we can't. Um, and I get BC getting out of there with a 52 to 32 W with an asterisk that assumes that our defense figures figures out how to get off the field on third down. But you know, if again Wake Forest sort of proved that's how it works, keep BC's offense off the field, and Dylan can't hurt you that bad. So um, that'll be that'll be a key to watch for. But assuming that that you know takes that that actually happens, you know we'll put up points. We just need the football. Fair. Yeah, it's weird. I think that this is one of the hardest BC teams ever to predict because the defense, at least we've seen so far, is so incredibly variable. They have the Vatech performance and they have the, the Kansas performance and they get a little better versus Rutgers and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, we could give up 100 points. We could give up not zero. We could probably give up like 21, but yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so uh, let's hope for the best. This is this is a must win if we've ever needed a win. It, it It's the, the terrible thing about losing the games that we've lost is that now every game has such an added pressure. We no longer have any margin for error whatsoever. So this is a must win. The week after that's a must win. And, and we go from there. Thanks again to our sponsors, Blue Chew and my bookie, bluechew.com, promo code armchair. And when betting on the birds to hopefully get back on track this week, I think, again, like I said, I think that minus seven Louisville line is absolutely insulting. That feels like a joke to me, but I, I, mean, I don't know. No, I mean, I'm going to bet money line as I do. And I'll bet, I'll bet big because I, I agree that, well, I mean, if we lose this game, the season's over. Podcast is canceled, and well, we don't um, don't go that far, but yeah. Pod, no, podcast is you're gonna find a new co-host. We lose to Louisville, Matt. Okay, that's th- that could come back to bite you in like I don't know, seventy two hours. Uh, if we don't win this game, Matt, we we will not have more than four wins. There's just no way. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I mean, there. Yeah, but we someone needs to talk about it. <laughs> well, it looks like you'll be doing a, a one man band solo, Mike Francesa. You'll be the yeah, band. There, there you go. I'd listen. So yeah, when 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 betting on BC to get back on track this week, head over to mybookie.ag. Use promo code share. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fourth and Dude on both. And as always, be sure to keep an eye on our guys at Eagle Insiders BC two four seven. Sign up today to get everything you could possibly need as we get back on track down in Kentucky. Again, no episode next week as I'll be gallivanting around Italy, uh, which could be a good thing because I, I think I just need a week off from this football team. I really hope to come back to the U.S. and and find a four and two football team, but. Who knows? Uh, I guess, Matt, this is the road to eight wins. Is, is that is that what we're doing now? Eight? I think we could still do ten. Oh, we can do... Oh, you, okay. Clemson and, and Notre Dame are back in your win column? Oh, shoot. No, I forgot we already had two. Yeah. Um, includes the ball. So let's say ten and three. Oh, so we're beating one of Clemson and Notre Dame. I can't do this math. No, I... Uh, yeah, shoot. I guess that, that checks out. Yeah, we're not going to lose to Notre Dame. Okay, all right. So we're ten and three with a win over Notre Dame. Matt, I'm a mess emotionally right now. I can't predict... Like, I, I have no idea. If we lose right. to Louisville, the podcast is canceled. Until then, yeah, we're going to be 9-3. and three. How's that? Right. One, one game at a time. The road to one game at a time is, I think, That's more right. appropriate. That's right. It's a dude alert, folks.
Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.